So welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell with my co-host here, Mr. John Jones. And today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about business planning. One of your favorite things, one of your favorite topics this it, time of year. It, it, well, this time, I think any time of the year, but yeah, I, lo- I love to talk about business planning. Um, from the standpoint of, I just think, I think a lot of us, especially in our business, um, you know, we take a lot of times the um, reactive approach instead of the proactive, right? And I think there's just a big difference between being on purpose with something and just letting it come to you. As you like to say, work on your business or in your business. You Yes, work on your business or in your business, yeah. All right, so, I mean, Brian, why don't you, uh, you know, you do most of the talking as always, but I'll ask you a few questions. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you trying to say? Um, you, nothing. You, <laughs> our audience knows. So, so why, I mean, why is it no matter what business, um, let, let's say any business that somebody has an endeavor in, whatever you're doing, why it's important to have a business plan? Well, I think the business plan helps you chart the course about where you're going, right? And so here's the thing. I think a lot of people built businesses. It doesn't matter whether you're in real estate, whether you're in lending. It doesn't matter what the business is. You could own an auto body shop. You could have a 7-Eleven. It doesn't matter. Um, I think to some degree, people build a business to their level of skill um, and their entrepreneurialness. I don't even know if entrepreneurialness is a word. Um, but to some degree, you get to a level in your business that your entrepreneurial spirit and your natural skill set took you to. Well, what happens is after working hard and grinding at that and following your natural skills, you eventually reach a ceiling of achievement, right? So like if you've ever been a business owner, and, and by the way, if you're in real estate, if you're a loan officer, you are a business owner. That is the way that you should be thinking about things. You reach a ceiling of achievement where you feel like you keep hitting your head at the same level of production month after month or year after year. And the only way that you're going to break through that ceiling of achievement is that you have got to change something about the systems and the models um, that you're using. So like especially in a year like we've had here in 2020, John, uh, you've seen a lot of LOs. Let's say that they were, hey, I'm, I'm a solid six loans a month loan originator. And only do so much, right? Right. And what they learned was, hey, my systems and models worked really good when I was closing six loans a month. But this year, because we've had so much success and now I'm closing 10 or 12, they don't work as good. Right. Right. And, And so, you know, to go back to your question about why is it important to have a business plan, I think that you've got to tell yourself where you're going before you start going there. Right. You wouldn't go for a hike without knowing where the trail is. Right. At least I wouldn't. I wouldn't just take off into the woods and try to figure out where I'm going. I would get the beginning of a trailhead and I would follow the trail to wherever it takes you. And business planning is no different. So, I mean, as far as the plan, why is it important to reevaluate essentially um, at least once a year, but sometimes, especially during COVID, maybe every quarter, um, you know, relook at your plan and make sure that whoever's on your team or in your business they also know what the plan is. Yeah, so the big thing there is clarity, okay? And so whether you're a single LO or whether you have a team, um, whether you're running a branch, whatever it may be, the important thing is that every person on that team understands what their role is, that they have absolute clarity to what your expectations is and what their role in helping the team accomplish your mission, vision, and values. Um, whatever that is, because at the end of the day, I think we all want to feel like we've been successful. 
And how do I know whether I've been successful in my role or not if I don't have clarity to exactly what my role is? When we talk clarity, though, sometimes like in our business, it's easy for us to identify whether it's the mortgage business or real estate. A lot of us tend to say, I want to make X amount of money per year. Sure. Right. And, and that's the initial, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make, <clears throat> let's say, 100,000. How's that? The, what's the importance of getting to that 100,000 that you have to identify? Uh, are you asking in terms of like, why did I pick 100,000? Yeah. And, and, and what, what um, how many transactions, for example, is it going to take for you to reach that, that number? So you're talking about reverse engineering. Exactly. Working okay. from where you want to be, yeah. I want to be a millionaire. How do I back into that number? Yeah. So before we answer that question, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit um, because I think it's important that we uncover, like you use the the analogy, hey, I want to make $100,000 this year. I think it's important for you to uncover why, right? And and so um, I read a book a couple of years ago. Um, it's by a guy named Daniel Harkavay, and it's called uh, Becoming a Coaching Leader. But within that book, one of the things that he talks about is why are you a loan originator at all? Now, fill in the blank. You know, why are you a leader in this business at all? Why are you a realtor at all? Why are you an air traffic controller at all? Whatever it is, <clears throat> why do you do this at all? In our business, like real estate, there's two reasons. Time and money. Time and money, right, right. Are, the, are the primary ones. But here's the thing is that, you know, they, they say the purpose of business is to fund the perfect life. Well, the perfect life for me and the perfect life for you are probably different, right? And we could get any number of people who are listening to the podcast right now and and funding their perfect life is different, right? And so I, I led a mastermind this past week with a bunch of branch managers at our company who run large branches. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about was um, how your business can fund what some of your passions are. And we have a guy that has a passion um, to start a charity, a 503C, to help and assist um, battered women, right, who are trying to get out of that situation. And so when it comes down to it, his business right now is driven by that desire to provide for that charity, right? Okay. And so here's the thing I love about that. That has no end. It's got no finish line. He, he's never going to get to the finish line and be like, boom, I hit my $100,000 goal, right? Because when we, when we make a monetary goal, and by the way, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Most of us do that, and that's completely okay. What I'm trying to challenge you to is to uncover why, right? Maybe it's because you want to send your kids to private school, right? And so I heard recently, John, I think you and I were at the same conference, but I heard the speaker say that uh, money does two things. It gives you options, and it helps you serve other people, right? And so the analogy I'm giving for the option is public school is free, mm -hmm. right? Private school is not. Now, I'm not saying that a private school education is better than a public one. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that if I wanted to try to find a way to provide a better education for my children, I could the option. if I had the finances to do it, right? That's all Correct. I'm trying to say. So I, I go back to your original question about, you know, uncovering what your why is. Um, I, I think that and what we've been trying to get our team to do this year is to focus on the end in mind, right? And so typically when we do business planning, one of the mistakes I feel that we all make, myself included, is I only look at 2021, 
right? I put down, this is my goal that I want to do for 2021. These are some activities that I'm going to have that are going to help me get there. Um, <clears throat> but in the end, does it help me fulfill my mission, vision, and values? Your three, five, ten year. Right, yeah. And so I'm trying to encourage folks this year to think beyond, hey, this isn't, think beyond just 2021, right? And so to me, it starts with why, begin with the end in mind. And we can have a whole conversation about that on probably another podcast. But to get back to your question was, it was it's a reverse engineer, right? And so I'm just going to use some simple math, okay? Um, and instead of using basis points, I'm going to call them sandwiches. Okay. Right, so, um, and, and that's what we get paid commission-wise. So, right, let's say you get paid 100 sandwiches on volume, okay? So let's say that you wanna make $100,000 a year and you know what you get paid commission-wise, let's just call it 100 sandwiches, right? And so for every million dollars that you do, you make $10,000. So you need to do $10 million in the calendar year to make that 100 grand, okay? So let's reverse engineer, what's your average loan amount? Let's call it $200,000. So to close a million dollars a month, you've got to close five transactions at $200,000 average loan amount. Yep. Well, here's the mistake that a lot of salespeople make. We measure our wins and losses at the month's end. By okay? how many sandwiches we're so, eating. <laughs> John, so, John, <laughs> so if, if we measure our wins and losses monthly, how many times do we measure our wins and losses in a year? 12. 12, right? So if you're only measuring your wins and losses once a month, it's gonna take you a couple of months to realize that you're not necessarily hurting your, hitting your goals. Correct. Right? Three, four months down the road, it's a little late to start you know, adjusting your business plan to make sure that you get back on track. So what I encourage is, let's take a look at this on a weekly basis. So we've done some math to uncover that, at least in our organization, and we close a lot of loans, so I think I feel like this is a pretty good segment to do it on. About one in every four and a half pre-approvals that we do makes it to the closing table. So let me ver clarify what Just a- say one out of four. We'll yeah, do. Well, yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let me clarify what a pre-approval is. It was an at-bat, right? You you took an application, you made a decision, you either issued a pre-approval letter or you didn't. Now, the reason it's one in four could be a lot of things. It could be maybe they didn't credit qualify, uh, maybe they didn't income qualify, maybe you lost the deal to a competitor, who knows, but one in four make it to the closing table. So if I need to close five loans a month, we said five loans at $200,000 would get us a million. That means I need to do 20 pre-approvals a month, okay? Yep. Yep. So if I reverse engineer the 20 pre-approvals a month and say there's four weeks in a month, now we need to do five pre-approvals a week. Now, if I measure my wins and losses, John, on the number of pre-approvals I do weekly, how many times a year am I measuring my wins and losses? 52. 52. Very good at the math. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. So now, do you feel that you could react quicker if three or four weeks go by that you're not hitting your goal of the five pre-approvals a week? Can you react quicker to that you than waiting it, three or four months? You know it in two months, two weeks. Boom. There yeah. you go. Right. And yeah. so what it comes down to at that point is we just reverse engineered how to make $100,000 if you get paid 100 sandwiches alone. Um if you, re, if you reverse engineer that and you realize that you're not hitting that weekly goal for pre-approvals, something about the way you're doing business has to start to change. And we track that. I mean, I think one of the cool things about our business is, you know, the fear of selling real estate, the fear of being in 100% commission in, our in the mortgage business. 
you have a great month, you might have another great month, and then you start thinking, what's what's happening the next month and the next month? Mm-hmm. Well, pre-approvals, <clears throat> right? That tracks where we're gonna be 60, 90 days out. Correct. So for, to ease somebody's um, you know worry, essentially, is if you know you start out in January and you've done your 20 pre-approvals, you know March and April are probably gonna be pretty good months. Yes. If, yeah. if, you, if yeah. you've hit your goals then, so you can kind of gauge, and you always have a 60, 90 day window. Correct. You know, that you've already seen, hey, this is what I'm gonna forecast based on just company yep. statistics. Yeah, and what we're seeing right now in the market, um, and this is November 2020, is that right now it's taken a consumer about 35 days to get under contract for a home from the point that they get a pre-approval, right? And so from there, it's another 30 days to close. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me, from the time that you pre-approve a borrower to them closing is about 65 days. But I think the point you're trying to make is the activities that you're doing today aren't gonna start to bear pre-approvals for 60 days from now. 60 to 90, yep. So 60 to 90 days before you, so if you start today, you're probably four or five months away from starting to hit your goals. I think that's the the point that you're making. Absolutely, And, and, and let's segue in, why is it important to have these goals written in writing? So I, I think you alluded to, and, 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 and by the way, <clears throat> most of us in sales, we we no matter what level you're at, a lot of us have angst about doing that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think we find that we have some that we see numbers come in for you know each year, and and you say, wow, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, and then some that are actually undervaluing what they're probably going to close because they don't want the pressure of knowing they 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 said they're going to do 25 million but I'm gonna say 15, um, just because I don't wanna. They're they're fearful that they're not gonna hit the number that they put down. Right. You know, it's interesting to me, um, you know, I've worked with a lot of salespeople over the years, and one of the things that I've started to uncover even most recently is that one of the reasons we get into this business is we like the freedom Right. Like sure. we, we don't have a nine to five punch the clock type job. And to some degree, we can get another conversation about this. We can make as much money as you want. I believe that's a myth, by the way. And I, we can get into that maybe another podcast. But we don't even want to tell ourselves what to do. Certainly right? don't want to let that, any of us know what, what, yeah, so, what they might so want like to do. So like when you when you talk about people who have a fear of determining what their activities are or getting into a time block for their day or for their week, Sometimes the reason we don't do it is not only do I not want to be told what to do by a boss, I don't want to be told what to do by myself. Right. Right. So I just don't do anything. But, you know, to go back to your question, why is it important to track the activities? Um, Listen, for everything that we measure, there are behaviors and disciplines that drive those metrics. Okay, so go back to we said you needed to do five pre-approvals a week. If after four or five weeks you're not doing your five pre-approvals a week, it's because somewhere your behaviors and your disciplines are off, okay? If you're tracking what you're actually doing, to John's point, then you can say, okay, well, I did, you know, I went to five open houses to meet a new referral partner, and I'll tell you what, that earned me some referrals. So maybe I should do 10 Mm -hmm. instead of doing five. I'm going to double down on that. Or maybe you decided, hey, I'm gonna go out to the Women's Council of Realtors, I'm gonna meet a couple of new agents, I'm gonna try to build some new relationships, and that never bears you any fruit. 
maybe you want to take that off of your business plan. Right. But that's the importance of making sure that you're tracking what you're actually doing so that you can go back and see what's giving you a return on your investment and what isn't, right? Here's the other side of that coin, if you'll let me. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier in this podcast about working on your business or in your business. Every, With, everybody's super busy right now, yes. Ryan. What are they doing? Yeah, they're working in it. Correct. Right, they're working in it. They're worried about getting the loans through their pipeline. I gotta close all these deals. I have all these transactions to do. And they stop working on their business. Now, here's the thing is when you have a plan in place of these are the behaviors and disciplines or the activities that I need to do to drive my business, and you know what they are, you're more likely to spend time working on your business than you are when you're in it. If you haven't given yourself any direction or any clarity to the things that you need to do to drive your business, the easy thing for us to do is to just fall back into working in it. Correct. And that's the uh, the life of most many uh, real estate agents and loan officers. Yes. Right? I mean, we, we get on a great run. Yep. Right? We know we're going to have some good closings and some good months. And then before you know it, you've done 60 days of not working in your on your business mm -hmm. and you then notice that it, things aren't closing yeah because correct. you've kind of just yep. and that's why the average loan officer john has the, the yep the up and down they the have the it's that we either call it the the roller coaster or the yo-yo so the important thing is to identify the activities that drive your business is what you're saying brian and 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 i think you'd say that you've got to find a a, a system that allows you to work on those first and foremost no matter how busy you are. And that's the hard struggle that many of us go through, right? Yes. We, we typically, I think we start our day, and many of us, right, the phone might ring at 8. I mean, I just had somebody that I had lunch with yesterday. The The agent called him at 6.20 a.m. All right, so that yep. starts your day, and then your day just takes control yep. of emails and, and, and phone calls, yep. following up on files, and you've, if you have an activity tracker or something you know that you need to do or get done, and that might be calling yeah. 10 agents, um, how do you, what, what system do you put in place to make sure you knock that out every day or every week? So I think if, if you don't have a plan, the day runs you instead of you running the day, right? And so um, it's easy. How, how, how do you avoid it? Like, I mean, let's say I get to the office and it's 8.05 and I've got 15 emails and, and people need to get pre-approved and, and, and it's business coming in basically on stuff that I generated probably four to six <laughs> weeks ago. But how do I just block that, yeah. that, that hour or two that so I So to me, it starts very, very small, right? One of the mistakes that we all make is we try to block off our calendar, time block off our calendar, and we don't leave enough space on it to handle the day-to-day -day things that just come at us. Right, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of a story. I got into this business in April of 2007. It was a perfect time to become a loan originator. Um, in April of 2007, it was an amazing time. <laughs> By June, not so much, Brian. Um, it was an amazing time to become an originator, and the bottom line is I was broke as broke gets. And I spent a lot of my days feeling sorry for myself. I call that period of time the Great Depression because I was depressed every single day. and. Um, the reality is, is I couldn't control the market at the time, but I could control what I was doing within the market. And so I remember as clear as day, one day I just woke up and I made a decision and the decision was this, 
Every single day, I'm going to do something that's a revenue generating activity. If only for an hour, every single day, I'm going to do something that's a revenue generating activity. Now, here's the reality. If you're a loan officer in this business, taking a pre-approval is not a revenue generating activity. Submitting a loan to processing is not a revenue generating activity. So let's be clear about what's a revenue generating activity and what isn't. So to answer your question, I would just go back and say, just find an hour. Find an hour a day that you can do something that's a revenue generating activity. You're gonna find that some days you might be able to get two hours of that revenue generating activity done. But the discipline that I instilled at the time was, first of all, I time blocked off my week. This was the revenue generating activity I was gonna do every single day. Now, did things blow up? Yeah, you bet they blew up, right? And so if I had a revenue generating activity on my calendar for Tuesday, but I couldn't get to it, I never hit the delete button. I just slid it over from Tuesday to Wednesday or Thursday. But eventually, I got those things done. But I think you got to start with something. And I think one of the fears, it's interesting. Again, we're in that season right now where we're doing a ton of business planning. Um, I've run into a number of originators this year who have big businesses, Mm -hmm. like big, really successful businesses who in a 20-year career have never done business planning. Right. And that just kind of shocks me a little bit. Well, I mean, I think that the mistake that all of us make, let's say you get in the business. And for me, I did well within a couple of years, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, better than I had done, um, you know, doing anything else. And I was fairly young at the time. Um, So we don't have a bigger vision like you like to say. And yeah. And you need to get clarity on that. Where is my three-year, five-year, ten-year plan? Am I happy? I, I use the hundred thousand or the hundred thousand sandwiches, yeah. as you'd like to call them. But I'm, yeah. I mean, you, you you need to have a bigger plan, and um, and have something ri- written down that's going to help you get there, and then continue to grow from there. Yeah. Rather than just being, I guess, content that hey, I'm going to do my twenty million, and that seems to be my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and I fight through it, you know, because I've got my fifteen referral partners. Um, you know, that's great. There's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, having clarity, um, will probably help people really identify, um, maybe, you know, adding a person to a team to help them grow their business bigger instead of, instead of doing what you just talked about is, Hey, if I don't get to it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, because something blew up, I get to it Thursday, Mm -hmm. but clarity allows you to say, Hey, I'm going to get to something every day Mm -hmm. because I have the right team. that's going to help me when things do blow up on the other end. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point. I think one of the other ways that people have to look at business planning is it's not always about activities, right? Some of this might be that right now you just need to focus on what are my systems and my models, right? And so we talked earlier on this podcast too, that what was working for you to close six loans a month doesn't necessarily work for you right now to close 12 loans a month. So with that in mind, you've got to adjust, you've got to adjust your systems and your models to help you um, um, do 12 loans a month as easily as you were doing six. And sometimes to your point, that's leverage, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to identify what those pieces of leverage are that you need to help you grow your business, Yep. right? To get you out of the I'm working in my business instead of working on my business. Which many of us, I think, in the industry feel that they're trapped in, at, yeah. you know, at, at this time. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, it's a I think it's a fairly new concept in our business um, for people to build teams. Right. We're I think salespeople in general, um, for whatever reason, we're 
we're pigeonholed into, hey, I'm a I'm a singular. It's just me. I'm a singular salesperson. It doesn't matter the industry I'm in. Mean, it's just it's just me. It's just me. And the reality is, is like you know, I look at leverage in a lot of different ways. Um, I use the example a lot of times, like one does one, two does as much as three. Yeah, you know, in like some I, cases. Yeah, I, I look at the um, analogy of um, like I I leverage somebody to mow my lawn, right? And I pay somebody to mow my lawn, um, but by not mowing my own lawn, I get like two hours back every Saturday, right? And so that's with, leverage. With the family, so you can go enjoy yourself. Yeah, so you can do that, you know, yeah. You, you mentioned like, you know, hey, you can do more with two people than you can do with one. Uh, if you've ever heard of a draft horse, draft horses are specifically bred to pull loads. Like think big trailers, okay? So your average draft horse, I'm gonna get this wrong, but let's say your average draft horse can pull 4,000 pounds. So if you hooked a second draft horse up to that, how much weight do you think it could pull? I'm gonna say eight, but I know it's not eight. It's 12. Okay. Right, if you put a third draft horse on there, how much weight do you think it can pull? I'm gonna say 24. It's like 32,000 wow. pounds, okay. right? So. So the reality is, is that with, with yeah. leverage, and I probably have the numbers wrong, I'm, people are gonna leave comments like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. You get the analogy. Well, I learned Don't something. Don't give me I a mean, hard time. I think, I think we learned something, um, draft horse. But the thing to learn, the, the, the point here is that it's not double work with two people, it's more than double work with two people. So by adding a piece of leverage, whatever that might be, it may not just double your business, it may, it may triple, triple it. it. Right. All right, and that's the reality. So, and I think that's where many of us are at that stage in our career, or at the, during the year that it's it's time to look at doing something like that. Yeah, you know, we and I know many have have gone ahead and done that. Yeah, and start. I just think that that's the point we were making is this right now. This isn't just about hey, and I think one of the mistakes I know I've made in the past is I've looked at business planning and it's all activities, 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 activities. Right. Well, two things I want you to to take away. Sometimes this is a one degree tweak. This isn't like I need to completely wipe out my 2020 business plan and write a completely new one for 2021. In fact, you might make very little changes of your 2020 plan mm -hmm. into your 2021. That's absolutely okay, right? To your point, if you've written down the activities and you've tracked them, it's probably even easier to do that. Yep. The second thing is this isn't always about activities. Sometimes this is about, hey, I need to improve systems and models. I need to take a look at leverage. There's more to it than just taking a look at um, the activities. And I, th I think what I would encourage salespeople to do, and we said this at the beginning of the podcast too, is you have to think of your business as a business. And are you thinking like a CEO? And as you always like to point out is consistency matters. I mean, it snowballs and has a ripple effect over yeah. time. And I think that's gonna avoid the ebb and flow. So mm -hmm. you need to build out your team. Um, you know, yeah. that's gonna allow you to do your activities consistently week in and week yep. out, no matter regardless how busy you are yeah. um, in your business as, as going forward, but you're still able to work on your business so you continue to grow. Yeah, so consistency compounds, and you know, you go back to what we were talking about, the activities that you do today probably aren't gonna start showing up for you for 90 days. The mistake that we make sometimes is, man, I've been doing that for five weeks, I've been doing that for six weeks, and it's not bearing any fruit, and we're like, I'm gonna stop that, right? The consistency compounds, and what it eventually gives you is momentum. 
once you have momentum, your focus needs to be on doing whatever you have to do to keep that momentum. Right. It, it becomes your best friend. You know, so one of the things we talked about quite a bit here is having activities, identifying the three or four or five things that you're going to do consistently from day to day, week to week. Um, we, we like to take it a step further and challenge you to take it a step further and actually have those activities on some type of tracker that allows you to measure, truly measure what activities you're doing each day or each week. And, yeah. and maybe Monday morning, you know, we've had, we've had some folks that have had done, um, you know, kind of sharing accountability classes, you know, spend yeah. 10 minutes with somebody. You and I can get on on Monday. I, I, I liken it to going to Weight Watchers. Yes. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I know yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. supposed to be dieting and, and I don't always stick to that. Yeah. But if I know I have to weigh in every Monday morning, I'm more likely or more apt to have bet more, more good days than bad days yeah. as far as my weight. And I think that if I know as a loan officer and, and I'm meeting with you every Monday at, say, 8, 8, 8.30 for a quick 10-minute call, yeah. I'm more apt to make the calls and do the activities I'm supposed to do the week before. So I don't have to say, Brian, I, I don't want to lie to you. There's, yeah, no yeah, benefit yeah. There's no benefit for either else. one of us to lie, so yeah. we want to be truthful. But, you know, something like that where you are truly tracking what's working. And that way you know, like we talked about, when is it time to change the activity that you might not be having success with. I mean, if you're tracking it and you say, hey, you know what, I'm making these 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 uh, calls every week, you know, to these this certain um, the CPA calls, let's say, for example, and I call five a week mm-hmm. and six months went by and I, I get nothing. Yeah. Maybe it's time to shift gears and drop yep. that activity and vice versa. Like you mentioned, if I'm getting deals or starting to get traction with it, maybe I want to call 10 a week. Yeah. So we like to measure exactly what activities yeah. that, that, that you are, you know, working on in your business. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you raise a good point. And I think, you know, you and I are both sports fans. And I think, you know, we're both numbers baseball tell fans, a story. too. And we see all the time the numbers tell a story. But I, I think nobody tracks more stuff than and baseball. Major League Baseball. <laughs> right, than right? baseball. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, right? And it's so that you can review your history of performance and make the proper adjustments to it, right? Yep. And so... I don't want people to be afraid of that. It is a huge benefit to your business. We developed a tracker um, a couple of years ago. We simple, we call it an activity tracker. It's an Excel spreadsheet. I'm happy to share it. If you reach out to John or I, um, while you're listening or watching this podcast and you'd like to see what that's like, we would be happy to share that with you. Um, in fact, we'll even set up an appointment with you to kind of walk you through how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, very simple of, hey, these are the the core activities of my business, my must do's that I need to either be doing daily, weekly, or monthly. And it allows for you to track that history so you know what you have worked on or what you haven't worked on. It's gonna help you uncover what should you double down on, what should you maybe cut out of it. Um, But uh, I I went to, I'm gonna end it with this. I went to a conference a couple of years ago in New Jersey. It was a mortgage conference and they had a panel of four or five loan officers up on the stage of which every single loan officer up on that stage had made a million dollars as a W-2 loan officer. And here was the thing I took away. It was one of the guys actually said it. I track everything that I do in my business. You're a pro if you don't, and you, or do, and you're an amateur if you don't. I love it. And that hit me 
right in the chest. Yep. So again, I, we, John and I, we appreciate you, you jumping on and, and checking out our podcast on Context to Contracts. Then we've had a really great conversation today on business planning. I, obviously something I'm pretty passionate about. I think we could probably do a couple of more on this, sure. but what I want you to take away from this is we are here to serve and help you. So it doesn't matter what industry that you're in, whether you're in real estate, whether you're in lending, I don't care if you sell boats, I don't care if you sell shoes or makeup at the Macy's counter. Um, If we can help you with your business in any way, I want you to know that we are more than happy to do that. We'd love for you to subscribe to our channel, share this content if you liked what you saw, and don't forget to like on behalf of John Jones, I'm Brian Lovell, thanks for tuning in. Thanks guys.